Hello and welcome to the Insurance Times podcast for the Insurance 2025 event. Uh, my name is Scott McGee and I'm here with Walid al sakaf Welcome. Congratulations. Hello, hello, hello. Wait a second. That's not my podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Walid is the founder of InsureBlocks, a podcast uh, all about blockchain, and he's also the in-house blockchain evangelist for Beasley. Is that that right? is correct. Yes, yes. Uh, and so, yeah, we're just going to have a quick chat about blockchain and um, the benefits, uh, how companies can use it, and also maybe some of the pitfalls as well, if that's... If that's sure, no, of course. I mean... If it's okay, I'm going to start off with, you know, what is blockchain? Because yeah. the, the, the this thing I find fascinating is that the more I talk to people, the more they have a certain view of what it is. And sometimes they'll say, oh, blockchain, isn't that cryptocurrency Bitcoin? I'm like, no, uh, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, but it's powered by blockchain. And effectively, blockchain is a decentralized distributed ledger. So there's a few words in there I want to define. <laughs> yeah. So a ledger is literally just like a file, it could be an Excel worksheet or a notebook that records all the ins and outs. So if you want, like a bank records the credits and the debits and your new balances. So imagine a ledger that sits, instead of in a bank, that sits in all the participants' computers or right. smartphones. So it's distributed and it auto-syncs itself at the same time. So let's keep that thought here on, on one side. So it's also immutable. Whatever you've added on the blockchain can never be removed. So it's you know better than marble or whatever. It can only it's append only, so you can only add to it, and it's cryptographically secured. So another fancy word, which is basically just a set of algorithms that are here to make sure that the information that was inserted is highly secure. Um, so I just want to touch one more point. So I talk about decentralized and yeah. What does that actually mean? And for listeners who are listening to the show, if you guys remember the days of Napster, of LimeWire, or BitTorrent, these were tools where you could download music effectively legally. You were not downloading music from a central database at uh, Napster owned. You were downloading from my neighbor's computer, from my friends in the States, from my cousin in Singapore. We were all downloading music from each other's computers. Um, which meant that the music industry, when they wanted to take it down, they couldn't attack Napsters because they didn't have that central device. They, theoretically, they had to attack everyone, which made it very difficult. So that's what I mean by decentralized. So blockchain is a decentralized distributed ledger uh, where information is recorded in a set data format, which makes it great for auditors because they can view all the information across time and it's always in the same format. And you have this version of this single version of truth. So whatever you see on the blockchain is what I see. And what this means is that it, another way to look at it is, you know, you can work on um, Microsoft Excel. You know, you can work on your database. It's, it's stored on your computer and then you have to email it to each other. So you have a copy. Then you had Google came out and created this Google kind of Excel. Google Docs. Google Docs, Docs. exactly. And there, every participant always viewed the same version, and you could see who added what, and it was timestamped. So that's one of the other facets of, if you want, a blockchain, is that this information is accessible to all, have the right permissions, and you can see who did what. So that's, in a nutshell, what blockchain is, and what it can give... uh, what can get give you access to is something called smart contracts, uh, which effectively is a piece of code 
that works in a very binary way. Right. If certain inputs come in, then it will execute an output. So, for example, um, AXA, um, they created a flight insurance policy called Fizzy. And the way it works is you create, you, you, you buy a uh, flight delay policy with uh, Fizzy for a flight leaving from Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris to anywhere in the States. If your flight is delayed by more than two hours, you get the money into your bank account without you making a claim. Because the way it works, your policy sits on a blockchain smart contract. And that smart contract effectively is listening to um, an external database or an oracle that says, hey, I'm the flight information database. I record all regarding flights. This flight was delayed by two hours. Smart contracts, here's that. It says, okay, pay will lead automatically. No underwriters involved, no brokers involved. It all happens automatically. So blockchain distributed ledger gives room for smart contracts. That could be quite um, scary for some companies because then, that, well, maybe not companies, but employees for companies because if you're saying that there's no need for underwriters and no need for that sort of thing, then there could be job losses. So what we're talking about here is a very simple kind of um, business logic. Mm-hmm. So like any kind of automation that happens, you know, with next generation systems, whether it was from the internet to even cloud-based services to API networks, they all involve changes in the way we worked. Blockchain is, if you want, is the next version that will automate a lot of the work. But what this means is that um, people's jobs will change in nature. But yes, you know, for example, at Beasley, we're a specialist insurer. The kind of work that is involved, but done by a broker or an underwriter, is quite complex and sophisticated. Smart contracts work in a very simple binary way, mm-hmm. so they can't replace such kind of uh, complicated kind of deals. Okay, um, obviously blockchain has been a big buzzword for the last however long, a year, two years, but it's really because of obviously what happened with Bitcoin uh, recently, it's been talked about a lot more you yeah. know, with, a bit, with a big boom and you know, stocks going up. Um, is it all talk or is it genuinely something that can be used to improve the, indus- the insurance industry or is, it, or, or is it just a buzzword? Sure. So there's many interesting stuff that happened. You know, as you said, you know, um, towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, January, um, the cryptocurrency market hit a valuation of $800 billion. And that's effectively $800 billion out of nothing, right? Uh, now it's, it's dropped because there was a lot of speculation around it and it's dropped to $330 billion. Um, but what the cryptocurrency market, specifically Bitcoin, has proved is that you can build trust between trustless parties. Um, and that is done, you know, through a system such as blockchain, which um, provides a single source of truth where people can agree on a version, let's say a policy, mm-hmm. and that they can work ar- around that. And there's been a lot of initiatives uh, to try and explore the benefits that blockchain can bring to the enterprise world, for example. So in the finance industry, you know, hundreds of banks have banded together to work uh, with uh, R3, to effectively create a banking consortium. In the insurance sector, we have B3I, mm-hmm. uh, that has attracted up to 38 insurance companies, some of the largest ones uh, in, the, in the world. And my understanding is that they aim to launch a production-ready uh, property cat XOL contract onto the blockchain um, by the end of this year. 
And in the US, you also have the Risk Block Alliance, which is um, an offshoot, if you want, of the Institute, which has over 100 insurance companies. So there's been a lot of consolidation and a lot of parties decide to work together to try and explore blockchain. Um, I already mentioned to you, you know, the Fizi uh, from AXA, but one of the companies that were probably the leaders in that space was Etherisk or is Etherisk, mm -hmm. and they launched their own flight insurance in 2016. Um, last month, uh, March, Marsh launched a blockchain for first commercial proof of insurance. And uh, generally in Italy, recently launched a prototype for placing a policy onto the blockchain. Um, and even more recently, we've seen the logistic giant Maersk uh, launch IntraWave to help remove the inefficiencies and frictions in maritime insurance. And some of the things that, it, that keeps cropping up is the kind of savings we can look at. If you yeah. think about how the insurance sector works, a lot of it's still by email. I mean, borrowers are sent by Excel, um, and there's still a lot of paper involved. And you could argue a lot of the automation work that they should have done over the last five, eight years now is the opportunity to do it with blockchain because it's not there's a lot of um, it's not just automation it's about working with other parties okay um, if there are benefits why hasn't it happened before sure so again blockchain came to light with the birth of Bitcoin in January 2009 yeah. so it's it's infancy it's literally very new technology um I mentioned B3i, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. Marsh is a member uh, of B3i, and even Maersk, um, they, they're not a member of B3i, but what, what the point I'm trying to get to is that some of these large companies are playing with blockchain using different technologies. Some of them are using um, the IBM Hyperledger Fabric. Some of, the, of them are, are using Ethereum. Some of them are using Corda, which was produced by R3. And some of them are actually using both. They're trying to figure out which technology works best for them, and because it's an infancy, it takes a lot of um, it takes a certain leap of faith for a CEO or a board mm -hmm. to say, "Okay, let's let's invest into blockchain. Let's try and do this." I mean, Exxon Catlin, for example, has been working with blockchain since 2016 um, by experimenting with it in the early days uh, internally, but also by joining B3I. They were one of the, of the first uh, members, so. It's happening, but we have to remember this is the insurance sector. Mm. Um, it's not one that works through revolutions. It's one that works through incremental ev evolutionary steps. So do you think companies don't have enough uh, expertise in the technology at the moment to, to fully be confident in implementing so it into their model? There is a gap in expertise, for sure. I mean, even at the level of developers, there's not, there's not enough of them. But I would argue it's more around the senior management there is a desire for automation, but if you're a CEO of a large insurance company and you had the choice to invest, you know, a hundred thousand pounds or a million pounds in an unproven, untested technology that promises a lot, and you don't really understand it because not many people have a full appreciation of it, you're probably not going to put your money onto that. So, what we've seen is in. Uh, end of 2016 but throughout 2017 we've seen a lot of proof of concepts that insurance companies have done what we're seeing in 2018 is pilots 
that are coming out. Um, AIG, for example, has launched has done a successful pilot uh, around trade finance, mm -hmm. um, and you know, Maersk is a, is another example of one. And uh, B3I is expecting their pilot to get production ready by the end of the year. So, if we remember the growth of the internet, you know, it took what 15, 20 years until we had an infrastructure that could support the Amazons, the Googles, the Facebooks of nowadays. This is when Bitcoin, as I say, launched in 2009. We're in 2018. It's just nine years. And it's taken quite a bit of time because whilst cryptocurrencies have been great in awakening the market to the opportunities, it also has been a very fancy distraction from it. You mentioned Google, Amazon, and, and those sort of companies. Is that the scale you see blockchain growing into? I'd like to believe that blockchain is going to be much bigger than that. Wow. Because but blockchain is not is not a company. Blockchain no. is more is well, it's like an operating system if you want, mm -hmm. uh, or if you want a, 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 like R three uh, Ethereum or uh, Hyperledger. These are all operating systems or blockchains on which, like an app store, you have apps that can sit on top of it. Yeah. So yes, I do expect it to be massively bigger. You, you got to look at how it's also being used around the world. It's being used uh, by the UN with the UN World Food Program, I believe, in terms of how you can ensure that charitable donations gets to the recipients, you know, in a more effective manner. It's also being tested as a way of your identification. In, uh, I think it was a Estonia, they're using it as a voting mechanism. It, effectively, what, what, what you're seeing is, again, you got to go back to what is... What is blockchain? It is this distributed ledger, you know. And I'll give you a very good example. I, I interviewed um, um, the CEO of a Risk uh, Cooperative named Dante Desparte, and he's originally from uh, from uh, Puerto Rico. And he was explaining to me some of the challenges that the island has faced. You know, it, it had to deal, you know, uh, Hurricane Maria, which you know devastated the island. And so you had, you know, loads of people who whose homes were destroyed. So they they wanted to make a claim, you know, to the insurers. Can you please, you know, pay me X amount so I can rebuild my life? Yeah, of course. What they what because of this trust deficit there is between an insured and an insurance company, the insurance company says, fine, prove to me that you are the owner of the house. The owner doesn't have the papers anymore. They've been destroyed with the hurricane. So, okay, what you traditionally do, you'll go to the central registry that has all these documents, you know, a central place. Oops, it was destroyed by the hurricane. <laughs> what do you do in this situation, right? So by having a distributed ledger, everyone has a copy of it. I'll give you another example. Um, Everledger is a company and that was one of the probably one of the first ones to use blockchain to tra track the origins of an asset. So they first started off with diamonds. So they wanted to make sure that uh, the diamonds that people purchased didn't come from a from a, a bad source. It was not a blood diamond. Mm -hmm. So you could see the certificate of that diamond. It, it, they they used a whole lot of different photographs and information about a diamond to say this is that diamond, and they put it onto the blockchain. And so I could buy it, and I could you know sell it to somebody else, and they would see the origins of that diamond. And so it's great from an asset. Uh, ledger perspective and also for the insurance company to be able to see that the diamond approach I purchase illegally. You know, it's not some 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 off street van or whatever. Hmm. <laughs> so as you say it's it's decentralized so a lot of people can see all the transactions, all the 
all the information basically. So does that mean that um, blockchain could help prevent fraud? So yeah, so l let me just um, qualify that a little bit. So blockchains can be private okay. or they can be public. So right. Bitcoin is a public uh, Bitcoin uh, is a public blockchain. Um, but you can also have between the private and public, you can have permission-based blockchains. So the Everledger uh, blockchain, from my understanding, is a public one in terms of the certificate on the diamond, mm -hmm. but it's permissioned by law enforcement agencies and by the insurance companies to have access to additional information that's yeah. not widely available to the public. Um, so yeah, obviously, insurance if insurance companies were to use blockchain, it would be private. Yes. So, um, so how could it help with fraud? So, for example, I let's say if all the companies were all connected with B3I and mm -hmm. I crashed my car, um, I could try and make multiple claims on that crash. But because we're, we're all connected on the same blockchain, mm -hmm. we can verify, actually, well, you've already made a claim on this car. You can't you know, make another claim. Or in a in the case of Everledger, you can trace you know that the that this product I purchased was purchased from a legitimate source who who was the true owner. That is the diamond I'm not purchased I'm purchasing is not one that was stolen from somebody else. Mm. So it can benefit it can uh, reduce fraud from that perspective. But more importantly, the way I see it is again it's about providing this this trust element between the two parties that I. The uh, the insured. I'm not trying to defraud the uh, insurance company by proving that I am the owner of an asset, whether it's a house, a car, or a diamond. And the insurance company um, can can verify that. But equally, uh, it goes the other way because problem we have as insured is we don't always trust that the insurance company is going to pay out. Hmm. You know, we're going to say, wait, I want to make a claim on this. My understanding of the policy, and again, my understanding is that if this happens, you pay me out. And the insurance company will say, well, no, you know, this policy was written in Victorian English. You didn't quite understand the fine nuances, so I'm not going to pay out. With blockchain, and especially with smart contracts, for again, simple type of insurance, you can see very clearly that if X happened, Y it will be the outcome mm. because it's actually coded into the into the blockchain, and all parties can clearly see that. And you know what? It will be automatic. It doesn't require human input to approve it. Some cases, if it's more complex, perhaps yes. Okay, so how would you sell? Like you said, there's not been much, and obviously it's very it's very new, and people don't senior management don't have. A great understanding of it. How would you sell it to those senior managers to finally um, implement it into their model? So I'm still quite new to the insurance sector. I come from a, a startup background, but one thing that pretty much shocked me about talking with insurance companies was the use of antiquated IT systems, which are, in my opinion, not fit for purpose. If they use those systems, and if they don't, they was paper based. Which mm -hmm. is come on, guys! This is 2018. You know, <laughs> wake up here. <laughs> so um, I think blockchain is an opportunity for them to get rid of this crap effectively and move mm -hmm. into a system that's more ready for this new era we're in, um, because there are extreme benefits. Uh, there's a lot of um, quotes that are that are bouncing around that it can reduce back office costs by 30 to 50 percent. I imagine. 
if one of the f- movers in the insurance sector is you know a large player and they can get a first mover advantage what would they do with those extra, those extra savings will they be more price competitive perhaps i would argue it gives them the opportunity to serve a community of customers that they wouldn't have been able to serve in the past because it was too expensive if they can reduce their cost of creating managing policies then they can serve an unserved market out mm-hmm. there and there's a lot of people within western society but especially in eastern society we're still new to insurance uh, but it was not cost effective for us to to go there you so new, new market yeah. and cost reductions and just one last point uh, pwc launched uh, published last year an estimate of five billion pounds pounds in savings from administrative cost reductions to the global reinsurance industry through the use of blockchain. So how long would that take for, for those savings to become apparent? Because uh, obviously it's, it's not going to be free to to implement it. Like you said, you're going to have to invest maybe a million, however much. Well, it wouldn't be a million. It would be uh, significantly less. But again, it depends on the nature mm-hmm. of, of the um the product that they're okay. looking to test on blockchain. So it's very difficult, you know, to give you an indication, but uh, most of the times, I mean, just talking with some uh, blockchain insurance providers, you're, you're looking at anything between one and a half to three months uh, to launch uh, a project. The The hard part isn't so much, is, well, there are difficulties in every step of the way, of course, but the hardest part is the integration. Because again, as I said earlier on, the systems that we have present in insurance companies are quite from the previous century. Mm-hmm. Uh, so integrating with them can be a bit of a challenge. Okay. Ideally, uh, you would start fresh with new systems that wouldn't integrate because they're just not fit for purpose. Okay. Um, your, your podcast, InsureBlocks, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so... Um, I gave a presentation at uh, Beasley at uh, the beginning of this year on, on what is blockchain, and it got him really excited. Um, and I thought, can I do the same thing for the insurance industry? And I spoke to a few individuals. I said, would you like to be uh, interviewed on my podcast? They said, yes. Well, since I'm a startup founder, I thought I'd give it a shot. And so I, I was still in the very early days of learning what is blockchain, had no clue what is podcast and how to do it put it together, interviewed Gary Nuttall, uh, was one of my first guests. And then after that, and started producing one a week, one a week. And from that first podcast, um, the traffic to my side has boomed. Um, the request for people wanting to speak on my podcast has increased. And, you know, hopefully, I'm, I'm also going to speak, you know, at, at your conference. And I've been speaking at quite a few conferences all off on the back of that uh, work I did on IntraBlocks. It's it's literally a, a source of information mm-hmm. for people who want to learn about blockchain, how it works. Um, I tackle it from all angles. I've got um, lawyers, for example, which came and discussed about the legal and regu- regulatory implications. Um, I talked with uh, the heads of R3, the heads of B3I, to talk about you know, what is the work on consortium basis. And I've got some very interesting uh, podcasts coming in specifically around uh, maritime insurance, uh, about healthcare, um, and about other aspects. But yeah, uh, I love it. It's it's definitely a lot of fun. Right. Uh, I think that'll do everything. Um, that'll be everything for us. Um, Walid Al-Sakaf of Beasley and Insurebox, thank you very much for joining us.
and uh, we'll see you at Insurance 2025. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Thank you very much.